Happy Father's Day to all the dads before you leave. Come back. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. I love these Sundays. They're so good. They're so rich. They're so full of God's spirit and God's in, uh, in people's lives. And this is the first half. Next week, uh, we have more baptisms, more stories of people's and how they've been transformed by Jesus. And uh, I tell you, going through the baptism sessions with, uh, with this group, every group, I just go, wow, it just, it's amazing. And then the next group is like, amazing. And the, it, the stories are phenomenal of what God is doing in people's lives uh, here. Uh, it's good. Okay, well, uh, two weeks ago, I introduced uh, this series, uh, Breaking Barriers. And uh, it's a series that looks at how Jesus breaks barriers and how we discover the kingdom of God. Going through the book of Mark, uh, I took a class on the book of Mark uh, by a professor named Tim Gettert and uh, really fell in love with it and God revealed a lot of things uh, to me and uh, that's kind of where the content of, of some of this is, is coming from. In uh, the beginning of the book of Mark, Jesus uh, comes out of the waters of baptism, and the heavens are rended. They're torn apart to start Jesus' ministry. At the end of the book of Mark, Jesus is on the cross, and he breathes his last. His ministry life ends, and the temple is torn in two. A couple of bookends in the Gospel of Mark of Jesus breaking barriers, accessing his people, getting, forgetting about the sacred places and going right to his people, wanting to be among them. Throughout Jesus' ministry life, uh, there are many barriers that he is breaking. Uh, the first week, we ended up talking about how the misunderstanding of the Jews, how misunderstood they were about what the Messiah really was a political powerhouse. Instead, Jesus comes and he says, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed king, but I have come to serve and I have come to sacrifice my life, not rule with earthly or physical powers. Then last week, we talked about a a religious barrier, a barrier thinking that we could be clean or holy by ourselves on our own, And the kingdom of God is for those who recognize their need for Jesus to make them clean. None of us can meet his standards on our own. Only Jesus can make us right with God. So the first week was political. The second week was religious. And this week is relational, family barrier. We're going to talk about God's family, God's will, and how that needs to be our priority. So, in Mark chapter 3, we see a crowd gathering around Jesus. And his family hears about what he's doing and some of the challenges that he's uh, been engaging in with the Pharisees and, and with others. And they come to him to take charge of him, for he's out of his mind. And as you can tell, Jesus comes from a normal family, because that's the way most of us think of someone in our family, the crazy one, 
his family's relatively normal, and they're going to take him. Okay, Jesus, you've gone far enough. You're crazy. Let's, uh, let's settle down here. After a whole section after that uh, of, on demon possession, Mark then returns to Jesus' family in verse 31. Now, as I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, language is really important in the book of Mark. There's this hearing and seeing. There's this, this watching and listening language that, that is, is meaning discern this, think this through. And in this passage, language is also important, but it's inside and outside language. It says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside, and they sent someone in. So who was inside and who was around? This is the crowd sitting around Jesus. And we look at the contrast. Those on the outside are trying to take control of him, and those on the inside are sitting around listening to him, learning from him. Jesus asks a question. Who are my mother and my brothers? In a culture where family was everything, extremely, extremely dramatic statement that Jesus is making here. Question. And you kind of feel bad for Mary and Jesus' brothers. They're being publicly ignored, intentionally. Or so it seems. But if we look at this a little bit closer, we can see that this isn't actually an intentional insult towards his mother. Jesus could simply be asking a question and widening the answers from what looks obvious. He says, Then then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, the inn, and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So who is my family? My family is those who do God's will. Jesus is redefining family. He's not denying them. Instead of controlling him from the outside, he's inviting his mother and brothers to come in and join his spiritual family. By doing his will. Not trying to control him by their own will. Jesus is inviting the outsiders to come into true spiritual family. Now the question does need to be asked. Okay, so what about Mary in this? Where does she end up? Does she remain an outsider? Does she actually come in? Uh, for you Bible geeks, to track with me for the rest of you, don't worry about it. The Bible geeks especially, um, Mark fifteen forty. Mark does something really unique here. There's three women that, are, that witness the crucifixion of Jesus. They go with Jesus right to the cross. Their names are listed, Salome, Mary Magdalene. And Mary, Jesus' biological mother, is now called Mary, the mother of James, Jesus' younger brother. And the scholars and, and those people wonder if Mark is not so concerned with to identify Mary as Jesus' mother as much as he wants to 
us to see that Mary is a faithful follower all the way to the cross with Jesus. So no longer is she seen as his biological mother. Instead, now she has accepted the invitation to come in to Jesus' spiritual family. So, what is the barrier that we're talking about? Well, family can be a barrier. I heard one missions movement leader say that the number one thing stopping the spread of the gospel around the world is overprotective moms and dads. As parents, we love our kids. We should appropriately protect them. And we, can, we can't really fault Mary and Jesus' brothers for wanting to protect him. You can almost hear Mary saying to Jesus, Jesus, get over here. You're going to get yourself killed. Biological family can also be very wonderful. For people like myself, who were raised in a great Christian home, my spiritual and my biological family are very closely connected. But we need to recognize that even the greatest biological family isn't enough. Mark chapter 13, Jesus talks about brother betraying brother, children rebelling against their parents, even to the point of death. Biological families do fall apart. It's not God's desire, but as many of us know, it's all too common. And we need something deeper than just our genes, our lineage, to unite us. We need spiritual family. So what is the barrier to the kingdom of God? I would like to suggest that the barrier is our own independence. Going our own way, doing our own thing, operating on our own understanding, separating ourselves from spiritual family. Like Jesus' physical family, outside, taking control, thinking they knew better. And instead, the kingdom of God is about coming in and submitting ourselves to a spiritual community gathered around Jesus. In community, we will learn to discern and live in God's will as we sit around Jesus with others. That is what identifies us as spiritual family. The family of God is composed of those who do God's will. But we often ask, okay, so what is God's will? And in the book of Mark, it's, it's clear, repent and believe, obey his commands, love your neighbor. There are a lot of explicit ways that we are to live out God's will. But the challenge comes when things are not clear in God's word. Should I take this job? Should I move? How can I help my kids? How can I help my neighbor? How can I help my friend? This is where we need spiritual family to help us and to guide us, to speak into things. We need to learn to discern together. As a youth pastor here, I saw how many kids we ended up having come to our youth group craving spiritual family. Their physical parents didn't approve. They had to sneak out to come to youth. They often had huge arguments begging their parents to let them come to church because we were their spiritual family. Tuesday night was the night 
where they gathered around Jesus. Many of them struggled with how to honor their father and mother when their parents were keeping them from church. Their friends, their small group, their youth leaders would sit down and discern God's will. How and when do they listen to their parents? When and how do they prioritize their spiritual family? What is their own will and what is God's will? Uh, There are many here among us each week that do not have biological or spiritual family to support them. We're seeing more and more people come to our church who are immigrating to Canada and joining our church. Their biological and their spiritual family are left in their homeland. We need to become their spiritual family. Because of prosperity and ease of travel, many families, myself included, live far apart. Many of you have parents or children that are living far away. Could we adopt one another? Become spiritual parents, grandparents, grandkids to one another? Those of us who have found spiritual family here, we are responsible to welcome others into our family. So really quick, a few practical uh, tips or thoughts on how to create spiritual family. I'm going to divide you into two groups. You can pick whichever one you choose. You might be kind of part of both. Two groups. Those who already have spiritual family and those who are looking for spiritual family. So first, for those of you who feel you have spiritual family around you, you have those that you can discern God's will with. You are responsible to bring others in. Here's some ideas. Invite some new people into your small group. If you want to know who or how or whatever, call me in the office. I will help you with that. Another idea. If you have spiritual family already, serve. Join a welcome team. We need door greeters. The guys do a great job. Rainy days, they're out there with their umbrellas. Those guys are awesome. We need people to come and join us and help. What a great way to welcome people. We need ushers. We need, we need people to get involved, to get to know new people. Uh, another thing is just don't assume that others have spiritual family just because they're showing up at church. We can always grow the family of God. It never gets too big. Another little tip, take a risk. Uh, another one. We are creating a coffee area just over here in the foyer that should be done for fall. And if it is, you have a great place to go and sit and meet people. Invite people into your home. We heard about Callie and her story with her her friend Kylie of how just bringing them in, experiencing a spiritual family, praying together, bringing her to youth, giving her a Bible makes a huge difference when you just invite people into your home, welcome them. So there's a few ideas. For those of you who don't have spiritual family, here's a few ideas. You need to prioritize times and places where it can happen. Do not show up late on a Sunday morning and then leave early. Linger. Yes, it may be awkward. We need you to take some initiative as well. We can't get to know you if you're not here. Serve. We would love to have uh, people without spiritual family on our welcome teams as well. If you have been here 
more than two weeks, you are no longer new. You kind of might still feel new. Maybe we won't put you at the info booth by yourself. Maybe you can be, hang out with Lori. But join our welcome teams. You can definitely greet people, shake hands, get to know them, join, be an usher. Join us. Uh, the Mums program in fall is a great place to get to know families. You hold babies. You get to know new moms. We need people to come and build our spiritual family with our Mums program through the fall. Join a small group. A four-week small group. Attend a congregation meeting. Join Sunday night praise. Come to Power Up for young families. Join our youth groups. Go to seniors. You'll have to figure out which age group is more. You'll figure it out. If you want any information about any of these options, if you are looking for spiritual family, we have an info booth. It's a great welcome place. Lori is back there today. She will help you. Go ahead and go, okay, well, here's some ideas for you. That's what she does out there. If you don't want to talk to a real person, if you're still a little nervous about that and you like looking on the internet, we have a webpage. Go there. Check it out. Uh, Great places to build spiritual family. We're not just looking for holes to be filled by people to do jobs. Our programs are all about transformation in Jesus Christ. And we need people to enter in and become spiritual family. That's why we have them. Regardless, if you have spiritual family or not, to be part of the kingdom of God means that spiritual family, God's will, is prioritized in our own lives over our independence and our own will. So I have some questions for you, again. Equally offensive, hopefully. It's my goal. These should be discerned. Okay, I have questions that I'm going to throw out, and I hope that you have a place to discern these. Questions. How involved should families be in evening activities? How involved should students be in extracurricular stuff? How long should snowbirds be living down south? I don't know why that one gets all the laughs. How many Sundays should we attend? When is it okay to miss a Sunday? Our spiritual community misses busy families, misses our youth, misses our snowbirds, misses our seniors when they are not involved in our community. It's hard to build spiritual community when we're off doing our own thing. This isn't to make people feel guilty about summer holidays. It's to ask the question, how do we prioritize our church, our spiritual family? The kingdom of God consists of spiritual brothers and sisters that are unified by gathering around Jesus, discerning, figuring out together how to obey God's will. Uh, If you want to create a community, I believe you need a mission, something to rally around. And as as I talk to small groups that are struggling with what their commitment is and people attending, it's usually because they aren't clear on why they're meeting or what they're doing. And I hear this in their language. Some of them call it a care group, some of them call it a Bible study, some of them call it a service group, some of them call it a life group, and you can pick many other names as well as to what it is, and no one's really sure. But a great example of a spiritual community with a very, very clear mission 
is a missions team. It's very rare for a missions team to have very low commitment. They are committed to one another, and they are committed to living out God's will together. And so, Marianne, come on up here. Marianne is uh, our missions person, and uh, she is going to lead us through a time of commissioning our Panama team that we will be sending out uh, this summer. (laughs) 